Hebrews 4, 1 through 13. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, so long afterward, and the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Another amazing passage on this topic of the rest of God and, and entering the rest and, and uh, hearted hearts and believing hearts and a lot of these themes that we've kind of been tracing so far. And we have an interesting, you know, topic i guess that enters in here which is the seventh day sabbath that is literally from the dawn of creation up until this point you know uh, observed by the hebrew people and here th this is interesting to me because i think i've you know i just always tend to think of sabbath too as like oh yeah it's like a day where you don't do anything mm -hmm. and you know like i think at worst, I tend to view it as like a day of not doing anything. At best, I tend to view it as like a day to like unplug and focus on the Lord. But here we get the sense that the Sabbath really ultimately is this idea of, of being freed from works to enter into this, you know, rest of salvation. And, and so the Sabbath is really a front runner to the the finished work of Jesus. So right. really, really dense passage. And then we have this, you know, very, very famous passage. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, which, you know, Jeremy, you had remarked that you never really hear that in the context of talking about Sabbath or mm -hmm. rest. You hear that, you know, when talking about like the validity, validity of scripture and, you know, things of that nature. So there's a, a ton of interesting, you know, theological notions that are at work here. What are y'all's mm -hmm. thoughts on the, the passage? One thing just immediately came to mind because I was reading it 
like just this morning in Exodus 15 and 16, where 16 is kind of where they start to gather the bread from heaven, you know, the manna. Mm -hmm. Um, But right before that, God says to to Moses saying, uh, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And then later, you know, he talks about, um, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So basically don't gather anything. Don't work on the seventh day. So I, I just think it's interesting to have this context. I love that we're reading through Exodus. Right. There's this context of listening to the voice of the Lord, not grumbling against the Lord, and also this like gather this food, but don't gather anything on the seventh day um, and don't work on the seventh day. And then that brings us up, I think, helpfully into this conversation now of where we're thinking about works and not working, mm-hmm. um, but striving to enter the rest and at the same time recognizing the word of the Lord. So yeah. any any thoughts to connect us there? Yeah, Jackson? well, it, it's really striking to me that in verse 11, you have what is a seeming contradiction in my mind. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest. I was just th- like looking at that and thinking that. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know, I mean, striving or I think uh, I think in some translations make every effort Mm -hmm. to enter that rest i mean Mm -hmm. that seems like work to enter the rest right Mm -hmm. and so you know on an initial reading that may not make a whole lot of sense but if we're thinking in terms of gospel rest Mm -hmm. and thinking about the idea of uh it's almost like working out your salvation with fear and trembling right like you work while the spirit works in you kind of idea um it, it seems like okay well what does it look like for us to strive to enter that rest well there's this active component to our faith where we actively trust in the Lord, mm-hmm. where we actively uh, pursue uh, knowing and appropriating the word of God, particularly that gospel word. And, and and I think that's one of those ways maybe that we end up connecting or bridging into the importance of recognizing the living and active nature of the word of God. Well, it's like, well, how do we strive to enter that rest? Well, we, we submit ourselves to and we intake as much as possible the very active, living, wonderful word of God that sufficiently, clearly, authoritatively, and necessarily reveals God and his purposes and plans for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Will, I, I think what brought this up, just that listening to the word of God is more than an intellectual like yeah. processing of it, yeah. knowing mm-hmm. what he said, but it, there's a, I mean, what you just said a second ago, this heart posture of trust is that activity. Um, it's also what we are exhorting each other towards Mm. as members of the household is this active trust of God's word. What Mm. has he promised? What has Mm. he said? And, and I think that also is interesting in verse two, like the reason why the message that they heard didn't benefit them is because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Oh yeah. Um, and so, and then it says for we who have believed enter that rest. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just a clear connection of, the word of the Lord is powerful. It's it's going to get to your heart. But the thing that it's looking for there is belief. <laughs> it's trust. And Absolutely. that is an active response. We always talk about that. Yeah. Like God, man, Jesus response. What is that response? It's foundationally a 
a trusting obedience yeah. to well, the Lord. And that makes sense even with Romans 10, right? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of Christ, mm-hmm. right? So there's something about the word that actually produces faith in us. So if we go to God's word, this living and active word, mm-hmm. it, it has this spiritual effect on us that mm-hmm. the Lord uses it by the spirit to bring about faith. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked about this a couple of days ago, but a lot of the words that keep coming up are unbelief, confidence, faith, you know, hardened hearts. And I, I think it's easy, especially in the realm of like confidence and unbelief. You know, we talked about how it's easy to make that a, a, a hyper intellectual thing. Mm-hmm. And, and in that instance, the following Yahweh becomes an activity of the hands, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the mind it's, it's, about doing the right things at the right time and not doing, you know, the wrong things at the wrong time. And I think, you know, we, we talked about how verse 12, this, you know, the word of God is living and active, uh, piercing to the, the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow, discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. It almost seems like random because of how, you know, I've been conditioned to view this verse and, and, and how all of us have. But I think what the author of Hebrews is really pointing to here is like we talked about with Psalm 95, the opposite of hardening your heart is coming and kneeling, bowing down before Mm. the Lord and worshiping him. And I really love that image of the word, the logos of God, which, you know, is personified in John one as Jesus. Mm. It, It tears through all the curtains, you know, between the physical and the, you know, mental and the spiritual. And it goes all the way down to the core. It discerns the thoughts, the meditations, the intentions of the heart. And I think he's really driving home this idea here that he's speaking to his Hebrew audience that knows the law of Moses so well. But what he's really trying to drive home is, Jesus is God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. And and the most important thing that we can do is to posture our hearts in in humility and exalt Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a very worship driven, you know, exaltation driven theme that he's really trying to push through is that ultimately God's word will tear through all of our, you know, facades and and all the things that we say and do, and it'll come down to who do we believe Jesus is and how does that affect, you know, the, the basic posturing of our, of our heart before Mm. him. That's so good. And I think it, I'm, I'm excited for us to, to read tomorrow's text about just Jesus as the high priest, because I think it, it does just tie it what you're saying all toward all together, because ultimately how do we have trust or faith in something? I think you have to recognize your neediness. You mm-hmm. you have to have humility mm-hmm. really to have trust. And it even kind of reminds me back in the Exodus passage where the Lord was saying his words and his statutes would test the people. I mean, I think it would test and, and reveal testing. Usually is this like, not like, are you going to pass this test? It reveals something. It reveals yeah. if something is genuine or not. Yeah. And what the law reveals is our neediness. Mm. Um, and and we'll see that praise God we have a great high priest. Yeah. Um, because we're a needy people. 
And the word of the Lord reveals that. Yeah, it's such a great word um, as we, you know, I don't want to like put the cart before the horse, but I think this, for me at least, this definitely generates a sense of like conviction and almost uneasiness of like, how often is my heart not correctly postured? Mm -hmm. So, Well, looking forward to tomorrow as we read uh, further on in Hebrews. For Will and Jackson, I'm Jeremy Brooks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.